Liftoff will start in T minus 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. We have ignition. I'm enjoying the dark. Ahoy there, everyone. It's time to set sail on another episode of Unconstitutional Awakening. This evening, I found some stuff that I figured I wanted to bring to everyone's attention because you know how I feel about government overreach in general. And I found a story of governor and go- government overreach that is honestly just quite out ridiculous. For you folks that you know aren't familiar, it's uh, kind of a controversial ex- issue that is um, probably going to impact many people. And I found a group of people that are trying to do something about it. If, if you guys aren't familiar with what eminent domain is, the government comes in and tries to... Uh, take something from you and claim that it's theirs so that they can move on with something. But these folks want to have tried to pass a resolution that's going to extend the turnpike out there. And, you know, this is potential destruction of homes and wildlife and pollution and so much more. So Mm -hmm. I thought it would be important to bring these guys to your attention. So first things first, how's everyone doing this evening? (laughs) Great. Uh, Wonderful. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. I just, I, I've seen this as a way that of something that I could do to try to help. Like I, I, when it comes to government corruption, I am the first person to sit there and scream about it. And now I'm, I'm sitting here all these years later as things are coming to fruition and the veil has been lifted on so many things. And I'm just like, well, I guess it's time to go and talk more publicly than it is to just hide behind memes all the time. And so here we are. <clears throat> so I got to ask who's, uh, Who's in charge of this operation? There's so many of you here this evening. They are. Uh, well, I guess I'm the uh, the president of Pikeoff OTA, uh, the organization that's endeavoring to to stop this turnpike and the Turnpike Authority from ever doing this again. Yeah, OTA stands for Oklahoma Turnpike Authority. If you're not familiar, yeah. and they're the ones that are trying to take over, uh, uh, take a lot of our property and expand it an, an unnecessary turnpike. Uh, throughout the state of Oklahoma. So, Michael, go ahead and uh, I'm sorry, I'll just get you uh, the people a little background. They had a, the who's listening doesn't necessarily know what OTA stands for. So, uh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. yeah, that is definitely an acronym that we're going to need to know going forward. OTA is the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority. And uh, and for what it's worth, ODOT, Oklahoma Department of Tra- <clears throat> Transportation, um, any other acronyms that we're going to be using prolifically? Uh, well, uh, say that again, please. I, are there any other acronyms that we're going to be using prolifically through? Uh, oh, ODOT, OTA, possibly uh, OTC. Yeah, MF. Is that all right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, so, the, the O and all of those stands for all of the state of Oklahoma. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. As of, I mean, uh, that, that would clearly make except sense. Except for OMG. <laughs> Oklahoma Natural Gas. <laughs> So if the rest of the team would uh, introduce themselves, and I can jump into a little yes, bit of please, history. Please, I would like, if, if you guys wouldn't mind introducing yourselves for everyone that's out there listening. We we all know Luis and uh, Ox and Bandit. They're my regular guys on here. But may I, may I please get a sound off from the rest of you? You better go ahead, Amy. 
My name is Amy Serrato. I'm a professional civil engineer and a homeowner that's directly impacted by one of the three new alignment routes through Cleveland County. And uh, we all started this together this new time, uh, February 22nd of this year, but Dave Moore, who can go next, he was a fighter back in the 90s. Dave? Uh, thank you. I'm Dave Moore. I'm a CISSP. I started doing this in the 90s and we had some good success. Um, everyone else, they, they are the new generation of turnpike fighters and I have nothing but full admiration for all of them. All right, Dave, I guess it's my turn. I'm Randy yeah, Carter. Cool. I, like Amy, am directly affected by this turnpike. If I sit in the living room, uh, I'm in the middle of the turnpike. Uh, there's north tra traffic going north and traffic going south right on either side of my uh, favorite chair if the turnpike does come through. Uh, they are proposing to take mine and uh, about five or 600 more homes um, in this area through the eminent domain process and eminent domain is the threat they can also they will come in and try to negotiate with people before they have to go to eminent domain but eminent domain is the ultimate threat uh, to the property and then, of course they're going to say the roots haven't been finalized yet but yet uh, we know we know that uh, they've been told the engineering firms that are under contract now they've just been issued a uh, what was it 123 million dollar uh, contract going out to various engineering firms to go ahead and, and start working on the engineering for these routes and they've been told not to vary from the uh, original route as it's been drawn even though publicly the uh, turnpike authority says we don't know what the, the routes haven't been finalized yet so uh, it's a little bit of a uh, you know bait and switch it seems to me you're actually the whole you're you were the first thing I had uh, seen dealing with this I, w I was sitting there thumbing through Facebook and I had seen the story where they were, you know, they're basically coming after a house that you yourself have built and have been in for quite some time, actually. Yeah, I've yeah. actually built two homes here. I built uh, the first one in uh, about 1980. Uh, that particular home, I, I, I do the designs. I uh, poured the concrete. I built the walls. I plumbed the, the pipes. I ran the wires. I did everything myself. So I, to say I'm a little bit attached is uh, maybe an understatement. Second house I built, uh, well, I got married again after I re-enlisted. My wife wanted a new house, and so uh, I built a second house. This house I was the general contractor on, so I did a lot of the work myself, but uh, I can't claim to have done everything. But, yes, I've, I've lived out here since uh, about 1979 on this corner, and uh, it's kind of my corner, and it's... I'm maintaining a stiff upper lip, but it really is breaking my heart with the, the idea that it may be taken away. And I've told people one of the one of the saddest things about it is if they do come in and take out take my home away from me, I'll have to clean out all my own crap instead of my kids getting to do it after I'm gone. So that's just not fair. Hey, I mean that's as as dark as that sounds. Ain't that ain't that what they're usually there for? In the end of that, it's their job that's to clean it out. Well, that's one of the things we've trained them for, isn't it? I mean. I mean, you come on. We spend we spend most of our life cleaning up after them, so that's well, that's our opportunity to get it back a little bit. <laughs> oh, so Amy, you said your house as well is being directly affected by this, correct? Yep, we have a house directly north of Randy's on um, ten acres, and the center line of the median, the sixty foot median in that six lane uh, turnpike, is right through our living room. And like Randy said, this is the most destructive turnpike 
and actual highway construction in all of Oklahoma's history. It's gonna take more than 15 homes per mile. And the last turnpike they did that wasn't authorized, and we'll talk about the authorization and the government tyranny a little bit later, but the other turnpike that they just did that we didn't know about because the OTA has a playbook and the playbook is come at this small number of people and hope that no one else knows about it so they can get it, they can steal your house and put this roadway that no one needs and then move on to the next. And so the last turnpike they did in 2016 was finished in 2020, 21. That took 104 homes total. So about five homes per mile. And then the previous one back in the early 90s, the Kilpatrick took only six homes. And so uh, they, they're ramping up their destruction and their wanton destruction of property rights and the environment as the decades go on. And it's not really because it has anything to do with engineering, which breaks my heart as an engineer. It has everything to do with power and money and making the 100 contractors and people rich on the backs of 4.4 million Oklahomans. And people don't know about the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority until it's directly impacted you. But once you know about it, you want to stop it because it is absolutely insane how much power that one state agency has over the rest of Oklahoma. They are literally the money-making corruption mafia of Oklahoma that pays out their dividends to their favorite few time and time again. And they have the establishment, no matter if it's a Democrat establishment back in the 90s and the 80s, or it's a Republican establishment, which is now, they have them as puppets, what they want them to do. And it's been very eye-opening to me, but very frustrating too, to know what the truth is and to know what the right thing to do is, and to watch the elected officials wantonly ignore the public and the citizens and do the bidding of those that fund their campaigns. And so even if they move the route off my house, I would still be in this fight because this type of government overreach has to stop. And if no one stands up against it, then it will always keep going. And so someone, we have to, Pike Off OTA is, uh, thousands strong, and we really, really hope, with the help of those that have fought before, that we can finally put an end to the stress and the wanton destruction of people's lives. You had made mention that you know these other ones had taken houses as well, and you know personally, one from my perspective, one is too many. Like I. I I see no means whatsoever that they should be coming in and taking people's homes for highways. You know, my I, I, I grew up kind of all over the place. I spent some time in Texas. That was close to Oklahoma, I think I've ever been. I've passed through, but that's about it. But I'm, I'm down in Georgia, and my, my grandparents come from Georgia and such. And, you know, he we they've showed me stories and places where the interstate wasn't, you know, and before it was. And then the most recent thing I can remember, you that got me thinking when you were just speaking just now is down here a couple of years back, they convinced everybody to uh, approve this gas tax so that they could build, uh, expand the highway. And instead of expanding the highway, they built a pay lane. And everybody's still paying the tax and they're having to pay for the pay lane as well. So I really don't think this kind of stuff is honestly 
just in places like Oklahoma. Like I, this is why I thought this was important was because I've seen it in Georgia. I've seen it in Pennsylvania. I've seen it in New York state. Yes. And, and the, San the Francisco road, bridge should be free. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, you know, they, they're always, you the first thing I always hear from what I would call a statist, you know, no offense to anybody out there, but what I would call somebody that still thinks that there's ways to fix the system by using the system. They, they're always asking me about their roads and I'm just like, what about them? They're terrible. My road, I can point out it for a fact, actually, hasn't even been paved since 2002. I think I could speak to that. Uh, I grew up in Illinois. Yeah. Some of the <laughs> worst roads in the nation. I think, oh, it's important to, oh, I think it's important to make a distinction between roads and toll roads. Sure. Because that's what this fight is all about. Sure. Because, of course, we need good roads. Everybody knows that. But the toll roads, I don't know so much about other states, but I know about Oklahoma. The, the state of Oklahoma doesn't pay to build them, and they don't make a dime off the tolls, not a penny. And so while there is plenty of funding to build good roads, that's not what toll roads are all about. Sure. Toll roads are an economic development tool, period. Yeah, so that's, I, I did. I will say, you know, that I when I lived in New York State, I learned quite a bit about them because that there is a lot of toll roads in and out of New York State. If you don't know back roads when you're trying to go down to visit like Erie, PA and Amish country and stuff like that, you you end up paying out the butt to just drive on something already that, you know, like what? Why? Like, that's always been a big question that I've had is why? Why am I paying all this money? To take to take yeah. this extra road, it's really like hard that. to sell the roads. That's right. the thing in Puerto Rico. So, like, you know, come from Puerto Rico, worst worst roads in the entire country, I would say, because like literally, we have craters. We call them the moons. The Puerto Rico, the roads are just a moon. You're just driving over the moon, and many of many of the highways, like the majority of the highways, are all private, and they're not even owned by Americans. They're owned by other even like uh, people in other countries, like the airport. It's owned by Mexicans. Like in Puerto Rico, they sold everything. It's an example of what's there that's coming into many parts of the United States that they're privatizing things because it's a quick way to make a hell of a lot of money. And it looks clean. That's the thing. It looks clean. I had a friend that just uh, posted he had driven through Pennsylvania and uh, driven on the turnpikes with the you know the tag tag pass or whatever it is where they just read your tag he got a bill later he'd driven a, through the turnpike system he got a bill for a hundred and eight dollars lovely literal highway robbery <laughs> <laughs> no doubt louisville kentucky has a uh a toll bridge going across the river into indiana uh, and it costs you on just like the uh, to go and return trip. Um, it's something like thirty two, thirty two dollars just to travel wow. the toll bridge. Wow, that's something exorbitant. Like, something the like pay, that. the pay lane that I made mention of that they built down here, that toll lane that they ended up building. Um, it starts like three exits up from my my exit like i'm down past it and it goes all the way to atlanta so it's only it's only like a 35 mile not even toll lane but it will cost you 17 dollars to go halfway up it 
Like it's, it's, it's ridiculous at the amounts of money that these companies are, are making off this because like the one down here in Georgia happens to have some kind of deal connected with Florida, North Carolina, Tennessee, and they're all their little pay tags, just like you were just talking about are are interchangeable and interchargeable between those states. So that lets me know that they're all in the same company. Yes, they are. I think it's important. And this is one of the most misunderstood things out there is people don't know the difference between a paid road and a pay-as-you-go road. And toll roads are you pay every time you drive on it. Paved roads would be in Oklahoma, funded by ODOT, and been the taxpayers and responsible to the taxpayers. But the toll roads thing is a whole different, it's the, it's like the more you dive into it, the creepier it gets. Yeah, and, and what I talked about, it's all about money. The Oklahoma Turnpike Authority, their projections for their justification of these new toll roads has been on average for their revenue generation has been on average 63% correct. In fact, on one toll road, they were only 24% correct. And the majority of their turnpikes actually don't make money. So their revenue take is about $330 million a year. Their debt service on their $1.7 billion bonds that they use to build them is about $130 million. Now they're asking for $5 billion extra dollars, billion with a B, okay, for these, these roadways that are going to destroy our homes and destroy the environment. That would put their debt service above their revenue take. So what do they have to do? They have to raise tolls. So now if it costs you $100 to get to work for a month, it's going to cost you two or three hundred dollars to get to work to month. So, uh, work a month. So, the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority has this thing called cross pledging. It was supposed to be a free road. So they built the first road in the fifties. It was supposed to be free in the eighties. Mm-hmm. But the really smart, corrupt politicians wrote this cross pledging uh, bill in nineteen fifty four that gave them the ability to take one turnpike and pay for the other turnpike. So the turnpikes don't even have to make money in Oklahoma. They just build them, get their contractor buddies all the money that they want, and live in debt for the rest of their life. So if they take this five billion dollars out and they're allowed to do it, they will be have more debt than the entire state of Oklahoma. One company, one, instrumentality of the state we gave them sovereignty of the state so they can take eminent domain but they're a private entity in terms of getting the toll money so the the money part blows my mind how the citizens of oklahoma or the elected officials of oklahoma can allow this to continue and maybe michael wants to talk more about that part of it yes maybe i'll take your uh listeners back down memory lane a little bit, kind of story time, so kindle up the fire and pull up a seat. Back in like 1947, uh, there was a problem. We had Tulsa, up-and-coming metropolitan area, and we had Oklahoma City, already established metropolitan area. We wanted to connect the two. We wanted to connect the two in a very efficient, easy manner. This was before the interstate system. And so somebody had the, the brilliant idea. Uh, I think adopted from somewhere on the East Coast. I don't remember which state was the first. I think there were a handful uh, to build a road um, kind of on spec on uh, using tolls as the revenue generating source. Um, this is before uh, selling municipal bonds, tax-based bonds is really a big thing. And so kind of the hippest and hottest new thing was 
toll-based, toll-backed bonds. So they built the Turner Turnpike, which connected Oklahoma City to Tulsa. Make perfect sense. In fact, the the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority's mission statement is to connect uh, distant metropolitan areas. And then on the the, uh, the next go-around, I don't recall which turnpike it was, but they found they couldn't afford that turnpike by itself. And they weren't really 100% sure they was going to be able to pay for itself. Um, so they decided cross-pledging makes sense. Um, so the, the success of the Turner could then supplement the, the lack of funds from the new turnpike until it gets up, gets its wings, and can take flight on its own. Uh, by the time the Turner was complete a couple of years after that the interstate system was introduced but by that point we'd already let the genie out of the bottle we already had this instrumentality of the state had power of eminent domain that was now like any good bureaucratic system um just a nerd inside a cubicle trying to find work to do even if there's none none uh existent so Fast forward about 20, 30 years. In the late 80s, there's a series of uh, turnpikes, one of which was predicted to do terribly, the uh, the Chickasaw. In fact, that is the one and only turnpike that was eventually sold, at least in part, back to ODOT. Um, It's a two-lane turnpike. (laughs) It's a two-lane turnpike. I think it carries. <laughs> oh, uh, that's, I think it makes less than a million dollars a year. The Chickasaw. The Chickasaw. The Chickasaw. Uh, I don't remember how many vehicles per day, but I think it was less than a thousand or around a thousand. So kind of like a, a uh, week. Kinda, yeah, kind of like a busy neighborhood. And you'll notice, Jim Bob, that Oklahoma has a perverted habit of naming turnpikes after famous. Indian tribes, almost yeah. as if to rub it in their face. Those are politicians. Right. Um, but, you know, in this, now we're not anti progress. In fact, the Turner, um, now had they waited a couple of years, they would have gotten funding from the federal government. Um, Chickasaw for everybody that's watching, actually. I, I, sorry, I had to pull that up. Like that, just, yeah. that blew my mind when you told me it was a two lane toll road. That just. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Do you guys know how much money the contractors made on this? Not on that particular project, but we do have some numbers coming up on on the newer ones. Um, But you know, this is all in the name of progress. The first set of uh, toll roads connecting far away metropolitan areas like Tulsa and Oklahoma City opened up commerce. It was fantastic. Now, the uh, Turnpike Authority did try to uh, they did propose a new turnpike that connected. Uh, Oklahoma City to the Kansas border. Luckily, the uh, interstate system was instituted uh, before they were able to come to a conclusion on that. Otherwise, I-35 would have been a toll road. Um, But today, their emission savings deviate a little bit. You know, with growing metropolitan areas, now you no longer need to connect them, but you also need to bypass them. So now inside of their emission saving, you got uh, to connect and bypass major metropolitan areas to avoid major congestion inside of the uh, 
the city proper. Uh, well, at some point, I guess, you know, not, these are entities that view themselves as long, long-term, far-reaching, far-looking far authorities that are looking, you know, 50 years in the future, 75, 100 years, far, uh, much further down the road than us mere mortals. Um, they got the good crystal balls from Costco, whereas we got a shop at Walmart. Now, what they do is they build a bypass to go around the town, but they stopped looking far into the future. They started designing these bypasses that were no longer bypasses because a bypass, it should be so far out that it's almost uncomfortable how far out it is the day it's built. 20 years later, it should feel just about right. Then maybe 75 years. And maybe at that point, the city is starting to creep in. Well, starting with the creek and the Kilpatrick, uh, you know, there's uh, legislatively authorized in the late 80s. These two turnpikes were built right on the cusp of Oklahoma City, you know, around the Yukon area, and around Tulsa. Mm -hmm. These aren't actually bypassing these major metropolitan areas. They're putting these major metropolitan areas in a stranglehold. By the time they're completed, you already had neighborhoods pouring out to the other side of them. And at that point, the people that are unfortunate enough to live in these neighborhoods are not doomed to paying a hundred bucks a month just to drive to work. And here with the, uh, the Norman Turnpike, again, they're repeating their mistake, uh, well, one of many mistakes, they're driving this right through the middle of Norman. Like if you look at the geographical uh, boundaries in Norman, this is going straight through the middle. It's going right between between Norman and its uh, and its major water supply, like Thunderbird, right down the the, uh, the watershed. Now they say that they can mitigate any kind of storm runoff to prevent pollution from going into the lake itself. Now they could put a bunch of rocks and crap in there to catch chemicals and whatever runoff comes from automobiles and and uh, even wrecked automobiles whatever but it's got to go somewhere all the uh, all the homes in that area are on well water you got two options either you let it run into Lake Thunderbird and pollute uh, you know 80,000 uh, the water or the drinking water of 80,000 homes or you capture it, let it go straight down and pollute the well water of the 20,000 in that immediate area. But we ask them, you know, simple question. Why, you know, is this the best route? Why are you doing this route? And it's, that's the one question they just flat refuse to answer. And uh, the thing is, when they have put these communities into a stranglehold, remember this Access Oklahoma plan, the only revenue generating source of it is supposed to be this, uh, these extensions going through Norman, which may or may not even be legal. Uh, even if they were built, at best, they would make about 20 million uh, a month, maybe 40 million based on their engineers' most optimistic estimates. 
the uh, the whole project's coming at a price tag about five billion, uh, which is going to be two hundred and seventy million dollars a year uh, just to pay the bill, which isn't going to come from the project itself. So where's it going to come from? It's going to come from the Kilpatrick. It's going to come from the creek. It's going to come from all the other turnpikes that already have these communities in a stranglehold without their consent, without their knowledge. One day they're going to wake up and all of a sudden their monthly bill to drive to work is going to be instead of 100, it's going to be like gas. It's going to be 300. And they're going to look back at the days that they paid 100, 150 bucks to go to work and think, man, if only we could go back to then. That's going to be like a dollar eighty nine gas to us today. And as much as we protest, you'd think that our legislation, if truly working on behalf of the people, you'd think that they would pass legislation for just the simple request to make sure that they're not screwing up our water source. Even that fails in our uh, state Senate, in our state house. Why? Well, because the people aren't as important as the corporations, as the companies that are leading this thing, because that $5 billion for that excess Oklahoma plan, you can assume that about maybe 20 to 30 billion of it is going to be scraped off as profit margins to the engineering contracting companies, paid out instantly. Another $3 billion is going to be paid out over the course of 30 years as profit to the bondholders. And that is why the people no longer matter because the people that are making decisions are looking at these profit margins and, you know, they would sell their own mother to, right. You know, be looking at $3 billion. They're just obstructions to be gotten out of the way. Yeah, don't forget a portion of that profit that's going into the pockets of those politicians that are not going to pass legislation to save you. Mm-hmm. They're always going to get their kickbacks. That's just how it, it works. Always, man. And what brings about when they destroy these neighborhoods, when they bring uh, toll roads through and they destroy these small neighborhoods, uh, another destructive uh, uh, another destructive force to the environment that usually comes about when they bring these in is urban sprawl. Yes, yes. High density. Yeah. Jeez, man. There is nothing yeah. uglier. And- in a uh, topographical map than urban sprawl, especially yeah. if it's poorly designed to urban sprawl, gated communities, <laughs> cold sacks, everything. That is just one of the biggest eyesores. It's what's yeah, and, destroyed and I, a portion of the economies of the United States is because of that, because right. of the distances. We need and, density to an extent when we have high population numbers. It's more well, it's better. The city, an interesting point. Of, oh, go ahead, Amy. The, the city of Norman actually just tipped their hand to that. So the, the citizens of Norman do not want this. But the city, the city of Norman has an engineer who's the father of an engineer who works for Poen Associates and the OTA. Uh, so he tipped his hand in a transcript article, a local newspaper article this weekend, that they knew about this, that they were in on it and that they were gonna change our zoning to go to high density. So right now, East Norman is one house per 10 acres, okay? It's agricultural and rural residential. And you cannot change, you cannot split those down to go high density right now, you are not allowed. But as soon as that turnpike goes through, you know what uh, our friend, Mr. O'Leary said, he said he's um, open to looking at rezoning East Norman to bring in high density. 
And so they, they knew and they know, and they are going to usurp what the citizens want and what's good for, like Michael said, our lake, our Lake Thunderbird and where we get our drinking water just mm-hmm. for paying those hundred people on the backs of all of our citizens. So I think we need to invent a new term. Urban sprawl doesn't quite cut it. It's more like corrupt sprawl or political sprawl or something. We can't blame it on the urban because that's, that's not what's at fault. It's collusive sprawl. I don't know what you would call it, but something. Because it sounds too pretty, you know, Uh, urban sprawl, what's that? (laughs) Well, to kind of touch on what you guys were saying, I mean, I live in an area that is that is a victim of that, you know, political sprawl or whatever you want to call it. And I mean, I live in the middle of suburbia. I'm about an hour outside of Los Angeles. The traffic out here gets so fucking bad, you guys. That you literally have to use. I've been the on the four in order to. I know. Four or five is enough to make anyone just want forget to about it. So it's horrible. It's horrible, and it has no toll lanes. But the toll lanes out here, because it's so dense, right? All the population is so dense that the toll lanes are your only reprieve from that traffic. It's it's absolutely brutal, and that's everybody's fate if they keep populating densely. That's how they pitch it. Paying yeah, twenty million, and, right? And, LA and is like forced, 20, the area is 20 million people. I think, yeah, something like that. It's, it's. And I, I wish, I wish we could say that this was entirely an eminent domain problem. But one of the things that the OTA prides themselves on is that they don't, they don't really take a lot of properties through eminent domain. And to their credit, that's somewhat true. They're able to talk most people into selling before going into the formal condemnation process and procedures. And therein lies a problem that most people aren't really acknowledging right now is that when that happens, you know, there's a certain eminent domain is kind of one of those necessary evils that, you know, for children's hospital, yeah, force that guy to give up his house uh, because it saves a lot of good, a lot of kids' lives, whatever. But, when you got to give up your property for the greater good, you know, at least you like to think that it's an identifiable greater good of the community, you at least have a few protections put in place by the state, one of which being the right to fair market value. Um, in our state's case, uh, I'm not sure what other states is, is in, but um, we get the right of first refusal. If our property is taken through eminent domain, for a project that then for whatever reason doesn't use it and it becomes surplus, uh, you get the right of first refusal to buy it back before it goes up to auction. You get the right to take it to a trial if you want to. If you just don't accept yeah. any of their offers, you can go go to trial, go to court. But the thing is that when, when you sell early, when you negotiate to sell to the OTA without going through the formal condemnation process right you give up those rights yes you do you you are unaware that you're being defrauded of those rights as we've seen recently at uh as i think back in june there's a an auction selling off surplus land from the ota that there was a guy there who with tears in his eyes was hoping to get his property back like his his family's land he wanted to 
he was just hoping that he'd be able to buy it back after it ended up not being used in a project. Um, he ultimately lost the auction. Uh, he didn't have that much money with him and some, yeah, and he was most of the people there, money. yeah, most of the people there were, uh, like real estate developers, you know, home builders and, and the like, and they outbid him very quickly and he didn't get his property back. He had no idea that he was losing that right. Uh, just like nobody else, like the vast majority of people that are giving up their properties have no idea that they're giving up that right to the fair market value and the right to first refusal if it becomes surplus. Yeah, they want you to cut a deal ahead of time before they have to go to, through the eminent domain process. Well, of course they do. Yeah. And now when we contact Horrible. the attorney general, the attorney general was appointed by our governor, our governor who is spearheading this project. We don't get our calls returned. No. Don't get anything returned except mm -hmm. a big one of these. That's what you yeah. get. Uh, and I mean, so, this is flat out awful. But go ahead, Amy. Mom, I'm sorry. Yeah, could you throw up that one picture I sent that has the map that Michael made, the, the GIS map that shows all the authorization areas in Oklahoma? Because, you know, some people that live in different areas of our state and even outside of our state are thinking, well, it's only 600 people or it's only 600 families. But in 1987, like Michael was talking about, the state legislators authorized the o Oklahoma Turnpike Authority to build in all these different areas, 35 different areas. And they, they built some. How long was 1987? So that's a generation ago. How can a government agency make plans based on a decision, make a corrupt decision? Oh, it's actually the, the picture I sent. Um, uh, no, I, problem. no problem. Re, repull it. Oh, I can, you, you can see my back? I got it right here. Back right here. <laughs> see? That's well, what it looks like. Yeah, with all the, the, off the, uh, yeah, James Robert. <laughs> right, there's 600,000 people that are already Nobody on your town will have one of those shirts, but you. Yeah. 600,000 people living under the gun <laughs> in pre authorized areas that may sit back and think there's no reason that they build a turnpike out here. We'll, we're safe. That's exactly where they're building turnpikes is where yeah. it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, and so this was authorized and, and check this out. So now if you live anywhere in those shaded areas, you have a gun pointed at your head because they could come and take land anywhere in those areas. The statute says in the vicinity of within 30 miles of the eastern border of Oklahoma. But they don't tell you where they're going to put the road until they have the design completely completely done. They announce it and they go. They told the Kickapoo folks in 2018 that it would be a five-year project within 18 months all the houses were bought and they uh, they raised every single house and had it done some people had 90 days to vacate their homes they got the letter they declined the um the offer they had the appraisers come out and give another offer they declined that and they went to eminent domain and the ota 24 hours later said get out 90 days to vacate it is insane and so, so this is a, this is a big, this is bigger than Cleveland County. This is actually bigger than Oklahoma. This is a national problem. I mean, check out the Kilo versus New London 
2004 Supreme Court ruling where they said that Pfizer could come in and take out all these homes in New London, Connecticut, because it was the greater good. It was increasing the tax base of New London. So they wiped out all these lower income homes, displaced all these people. And then Pfizer's like, oh, you know what? New London didn't give us enough tax breaks. We're out of here. To this day, they haven't built anything on that spot, on that place. And if you want to know more about that, there's a great movie called The Little Pink House. Um, and it talks about that court case. And we're hoping that the Supreme Court will re-look at that case. And then our state will come up with stricter constitutional laws for eminent domain to make it harder for the government to take our land. Because after the Kelo um, decision in 2004, 26 states made uh, changes to their constitution about eminent domain. Oklahoma did not. And so it is very easy for a, a government agency to come take our homes versus eminent domain. When we think about, we're, we're thinking about through Pike Off OTA doing an initiative petition from the people to change our constitution and to change those laws on, constant, on eminent domain. And we're, we're thinking about a whole bunch of different items to protect the citizens from this government overreach. And so it's, it's our problem now but it's 600,000 Oklahomans problems in five to 20 years on all yeah. on legislation made in 1987 when the Secretary of Transportation was the same person as the Oklahoma Department of Transportation Director, who is the same person as the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority Director. And guess what? We have that same problem right now. The same man is the director of all three of those agencies yep <laughs> yes <laughs> so, i mean you know you can and no explanation required we want your place you get out of the way no explanation required no nothing they don't have to go before any board and prove their case they don't have to show up and do uh, this is why we really need it nothing all they have to do is say get out of the way we're coming in well, uh, we, we do have a transportation commission. It's chaired by right. a real estate developer. And more and more. Oh, it, it gets deeper. And every, every person on the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority board was appointed by the governor, who is a corrupt businessman actually from Georgia. Who's from Georgia? Yeah, so he had a mortgage company that something corrupt happened with, and then he came to be the governor of Oklahoma. And he's- Yeah, they were fined and all that stuff. Yeah, he's done a lot of shady things. And one of the things was change his executive powers to be the only person to appoint these people to the board. So he controls everything. If they go against him, it's, it's bad news. And so they put a lot of un, uh, not educated, but- um, Qualified. Unqualified people on those boards to just say yes they're rubber stamping boards that's all they do oh it's, it's yeah so I, I, I had to pull them up really quick uh kevin stitt i do remember all that stink down here in georgia he's uh yeah he's a, he's well, a, i'll just say this and then i'm a, i'm gonna be quiet for a while but is that possible uh we're gonna find out <laughs> the thing that bothers this 
bothers people the most about this stuff is for most people, this is the first time they've ever come up against a government agency that is so aggressive, that is so non-yielding in what they want to do. They are aggressive that they and they just say, look, you just might as well give up now. This is a done deal. We're going to do this. It's going to happen. And for most people, they've never, ever had to deal with such an idea in their whole lives. People live their lives. They got jobs. They got a family. They're just trying to get along and be good people. And now they're being confronted with this, and it just blows their minds. I mean, I a lot of it has just drawn me speechless because, you know, the more you guys talk, the more it's just like, so basically everybody that's supposed to be a leader or an elected official there is all padding their pockets and just doing what they need to do to keep those pockets padded. Oh, yeah. We, we've made the national news on several radio shows. I don't know if you listen to Wendy Bell Radio, conservative radio show talk, talk show host out of Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We made her talk show as the worst state that uh, no constitutionalists were elected and the establishment Republicans just walked all over everybody because they're all corrupt. And then uh, we made another national syndicate, Stu Peters, on some corruption in the campaign financing. And so we have some significant depth and breadth of uh, corruption, just plain and simple. And we're top 10 state. We're top, we're top 10 state in that, for, sure. <laughs> yeah. for sure. Let me go back and make a little point here. We, Amy was talking about it earlier. Uh, the projections that the, the Turnpike Authority hires a company to do that projects what the revenues will be, like she said, they were 63, only 63% accurate. But the problem with that is that those projections are what the bonds are rated on and sold on so that the, the people that are buying those bonds think the revenue is going to be 100%, yet historically it's only 63%. And when I was in school, if I got a 63, that was an F. It's a, it's a failing business model that they're continuing to repeat over and over and over again. And all they're doing, the debt is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's, it's my belief that the, the main driving force behind all of this uh, expansion is to generate this bond to sell all these bonds so they can pay off the bonds they haven't been able to pay off in the past and create a bigger bond picture that generations down the road are going to be stuck with a gigantic bond uh, indebtedness that you know they'll just have to build more turnpikes to generate more bonds to pay for the bonds that they couldn't pay for before it's just kicking the can down the road and, and it's not going to solve any kind of problems. That's, uh, it, it, that's, that's one of the big frustrating parts to me is that that's how they're doing it. It's a failed operations model that they're continuing to operate. And, and so, you I, know, and, and as bad as this sounds, it's, it's, it's a failed operations model, most definitely from the perspective of somebody with more than two firing brain cells, but somebody that is trying to make a buck, it is a perfect model because obviously it's continuing to keep that money in their pocket and i mean that's at the heart of it i mean really truly at the heart of everything that i've heard from you you guys this evening is that you guys are just in a pit of corruption out there and it sounds like it's time to 
roll it over and start anew, to be honest. And it's, um, so just to put it in perspective for your listeners to understand, so the Oklahoma Department of Transportation uses federal dollars to build their roadways, and they can build their roadways for a specific dollar per mile. So they have to use the lowest bid. They have to have all these protections in the place. So they can build, just say they can build a road um, for seven, a, a highway, a super highway for seven to $10 million per mile. The Oklahoma Turnpike Authority cannot do that. Their average price is 50 to $60 million per mile. Why? Because they're paying off their, it's bid, it's, what do they call that bid? Um, bid rigging? Yes, bid rigging. Thank you, bid rigging. So they're paying their contractors $100,000 for a $10,000 job. So so their OTA spends five to 20 times more per mile than a state than the state agencies should because they're just, it's money back to their favorite, favorite contractors. And if you look back over the last 35 years, the same 10 firms have done all of their work. The same legislators who are putting bills in to expand their empire are turning around and taking contracts from them on the flip side. And it is, they don't have to sign a conflict of interest statement. And so we ended up stopping um, one of those representatives bills. He was so angry with us. It was the first time that an OT bill had ever been stopped, but he was a contractor who was putting in an extension to one of the existing roads because he had the contractor ready to build it. Don't you have to disclose that when you're in the state accountability what and he's still there and he's still there and he still got reelected. and so it's mm -hmm. just uh it's so frustrating to watch embarrassing the, what the, do you guys think is then one of one of the best routes to build defense mechanisms for for the everyday person in oklahoma because it, it looks like they're starting with this and like you're saying eventually it grows it grows <laughs> You know, it what alternatives so do you think are good to pick? Is that what's what is that the question? Of, like, what type of laws and what type of actions like mm -hmm. you think are real solutions to prevent this? Outside, obviously, you're more like the main point is calling it out mainly, which is this. And mm -hmm. what what do you see as the route in relation to possible laws that prevent this from occurring in the eminent domain reform? Yeah. You know, a silver bullet to to uh, that will never to happen. stop all corruption is well, local local state reform could happen. I'm not saying nationwide reform is ever going to happen. That's true. That yeah. puts too much money in politicians' pockets. Well, when agencies feel away. they have full authority to just take people's property away and there's no opposition, that's where we are now. And so this whole notion of eminent domain needs to completely be redefined in Oklahoma. Now, if I were to, you know, just kind of brainstorm out loud, I would think that if, if we get you know, the Supreme Court to reevaluate the Kelo case, there are, there's a stark difference between this project and this use of eminent domain and eminent domain as it was originally intended and established uh valid uses of eminent domain have a solid sequence of facts that 
can project that that project or that use is going to have a tangible benefit. This project and other projects like turnpikes and uh, like taking um, you know, housing for economic development, these are all speculative in nature. There is no solid string of facts and there's no mathematical way to model that there will be a benefit from that use of eminent domain. And uses of eminent domain that are purely speculative, leave leave that in Vegas. That is that has no place in our constitution or our country. It is never okay to to forcefully come in and take somebody's house from mm -hmm. them. It, whether it's economic, whether whether it progresses economically, whatever, it is never okay to come in and force somebody out of their house to build a road through their front yard, ever. Mm -hmm. There are valid uses of eminent domain, but you have to be able to prove that there's no way that you can protect the public other than by taking someone's property. And it has it's all about the public. You have to be able to prove we're protecting the public benefit. And at least in Oklahoma, yeah. they don't even care about trying to prove that. I mean, with those budgets, you can tell they're just stealing money. Oh, yeah, they, they're 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 giving money out to just be like that make doesn't make this problem go away make exactly. this disappear mm -hmm. for me and when you got a what what did you say the sixty three per percent projection for um the revenue projection, projection. yeah revenue, revenue projection projection was what sixty three percent yeah yeah it doesn't prove that taking the property is going to be feasible economically. For sure, but and we've we've learned very quickly that it has nothing to do with engineering or economic viability of the actual road. It's to pad the real estate developers, the the urban developers, the roadway contractors. In fact, one of the businesses that I work that I've worked with in soil stabilization went out in January and bought a bridge company. You know why they bought a bridge company? Because the new turnpikes are going to have over forty one hundred lineal feet. Of bridges but how did they know to buy it in january the public didn't know about the turnpikes until february 22nd so you see they're 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 telling their buddies hey go buy these bridge companies go do this because you're going to make 500 million dollars and then you can just sell it you don't have to do it if you don't like it just have it for three years and then sell it and so there's a bunch of inside cronyism that's uh happening where are these environmental domestic where, where are these environmental terrorist groups when you need them the Sierra Club, like, or even worse than that. Um, all I gotta say is, do you know what happens to a tracked vehicle when it rolls over Constantino wire? Greenpeace. <laughs> uh, has any group ever offered uh, counter and or or alternatives that can be expressed publicly? Hey, you are saying you designate the road into this region we we calculate because right now there's a lot of data that did not exist a few decades ago just because we're now we can now see where everybody's moving like just google alone has all of the data that you could ever use i could kind of speak to that a little bit in the way it happened in the past in the 90s when we were doing this stuff uh i actually had the brilliant idea i don't know if it was or not but i said Let's call up the Sierra Club and see what they think about it. Because I'm not a big, I'm not a tree hugger environmentalist. I'm a conservationist. Okay. But 
we decided let's contact them and see what they have to say about it. Well, they had already written two or three position papers on the subject. And they were very glad that somebody contacted them. And they were very helpful with what was going on. In the current situation, I don't know. I know that uh, anger has some stuff going on environmentally. There are some avenues, but I don't know if there are any national groups that have done anything. The, the Sierra Club, is, we've been in touch with them and they've been hesitant to jump on our lawsuit, but they are willing to help us uh, get the word out with their mailing lists and potentially help us fund our lawsuits. Um, but other than that, it's been crickets, to be honest. We, we've tried to, these turnpikes will decimate the only known vein of rose rocks in the entire world. They're at Rose Rocks. They're our state rock. Okay, so I'm a geologist, a geotechnical engineer, so that's a big deal to me. So I designated the area. I mapped the entire area as a, uh, oh, right here. You can see this pretty little Rose Rock. That comes out of the earth. That was in the Permian Age really a long time ago, and they look like a rose. And once it's paved over, it's gone forever. So I designated the the whole area as a geoheritage area, and I sent it off to the National Park Service and the Bureau of the Interior and nothing, I heard nothing. So we invoked Senator Langford's office uh, to contact the Bureau of Interior for us. It's been six weeks, crickets. It's, it's when you, may I ask, when you turned in the stuff to, you know, to do that, did you turn um, it in through these same people or did you turn it in directly yourself? Oh, it turned, I turned it in directly myself through the button on the website that said, please submit your geoheritage area mapping here. And then, you know, heard nothing. And so we have a lot of great environmental and important conservation legs to stand on. This area is very sensitive and we don't want to be a concrete jungle. We don't want the high density urban development and our environment honestly can't take it. And so we are looking for help from environmental groups to come in and give us some way to, to help win this war within Oklahoma um, because the Oklahoma Sierra Club is not as strong as say the California uh, Sierra Club or the Massachusetts Sierra Club. So um, the center of the country is maybe not as activist oriented as the coasts. So we would, we would love some help on that if you would have any suggestions. Well, I mean, that is definitely part of the reason why I kind of wanted to invite you guys on over here is I, I I happen to have people that tune in not only countrywide, but worldwide. So I, I just figure if there was anything I could do, I could get you guys heard out here. And that was that was a big reason. I was like, I got to have you guys on here. I, I, I need their story, you know, put put out for people that have no clue about stuff like this going on because I want, I, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm hoping to implore them to look into their own area. Like Luis, for example, I know you're in New York, so I imagine the levels of corruption in New York toll roads and such are probably just as high, if not worse. <laughs> Yeah, and Lewis, were you the one who was talking about all the Google data that was available? Well, for example, I remember there was a project, I think it was called Google Neighborhoods. I don't know how public it is, but Google Neighborhoods essentially was a project where corporations could tap in to 
all the data from the phones. So what they what they did is they just took and anonymized all the data for millions and millions and millions of people, and they create flows. Because at the end of the day, at the density, when we pack each other, we become like a fluid. So we can we can map out data. We can have ideas of where people are moving in. There was actually an interesting uh, study that was done with uh, with mushrooms and the Tokyo Metro system. I don't know if you ever seen this. Um, they they basically put in the, the the locations of the main hubs of of traffic for the city, and the the mushroom actually mapped out the city as good, if not better, than the the Tokyo Metro system, which is one of the best connected systems in the world. And relationships to how people move, and and then this is one of the highest densities in the world. Now, that's that's information that's available. So we can create really good and well thought out systems today that don't are not based off this nonsense that little that turnpike you showed. That that's not science. That's garbage. <laughs> and I'm and I can't imagine exactly. universities ar- around the state don't want to conserve that beautiful piece of that is exclusive to that region don't other educational institutions want to provide protection or it's it's bob there because the leadership of the universities are in on it and and that's and that's the the problem and and so all this available data i mean i love it too you know i i plot it and look at it and i i try to we try to refute and michael too we try to refute all of the data that the ota is spewing but at the end of the day, you know, so, and even think about how we travel now. We're not going to travel like we do now in 10 years. What about all the new technology at Vols and uh, the AMA, the flying aerial manned aircrafts and oh. all that work that's being done, especially the rolling and, and And we don't need new infrastructure. And as you, whoever lives in LA, you have 24 lanes. You do 24 lanes. It's called induced demand. The more lanes you, the more lanes you give, the more cars that travel. And so, what we what we need to do is do better traffic engineering. Use the data that's available and do smart. I love this. I love the blog called Smart Towns, and it talks about how you create cities for people rather than roadways for vehicles. Because in 10, 15 years, we might not be traveling like we do now, and so. We're, the OTA, the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority, is using 1950s technology to destroy thousands of people's lives in 2022, and it, it's just somehow. Just look at the Dutch. Just look at the Dutch. They are, they have there are parts of the cities that they don't drive; they just right. bike, and they have a very healthy population because people are biking. And there are sections of the cities that don't mm-hmm. even have streetlights. And they noticed that by taking the streetlights off, they made them safer. There hasn't been an accident in certain regions because they t- took off all of the right. lights. So I could probably like speak this, it's a little bit to, to read. Yeah, Luis, I could probably speak a little bit to the Google data in that they're not tracking people. They're not tracking cars. They're tracking phones. That's how they get the data. So, and the data is completely 100% skewed. Because you can have one car driving down the highway that's got five people with phones. That's what they're tracking. And so their data is almost, I mean, it's cute, but it, it can't be counted on. Have, have, you, have you guys heard that story about that old man that was messing up traffic by walking around with a wagon full of phones? 
We had a hundred phones on it. Yeah, he was so because of like there was too much traffic in certain areas, so he was creating fake traffic. That was great. That was really smart, man. Because they don't know how many cars are. Because I always puzzled over that. How do they? Because you could look, look at the traffic in Oklahoma City. Oh my God! How do they? Is it the satellites looking down? No, they're tracking phones as they go by and ping the cell phone towers. And when you look at the actual traffic counters, the one that are counting actual cars, they're nowhere near the numbers that the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority is using as their justification. So when I called them out on that last month at the Oklahoma Turnpike Commission and said, you know, you projected in the 90s when Dave was fighting this, you projected that the uh, traffic on I-35 was going to be 180,000 vehicles per day in 2019. You know how many vehicles we have today in 2022? We have about 80 to 105,000, depending on the time of the day. They were so far off that that number that they projected isn't going to happen if we keep driving the way we were driving until 2080. And so the the, the whole data the data system is is it's so interesting to me and all the engineers. But I feel like from traffic planners, it's it's. They don't care about it. They're just trying to meld it to be their justification. So again, it's all about the money. So they can they can make their contractors that money. And that's why they're they're doing this. They don't have these routes are not authorized. We have a lawsuit. Pike off OTA has a lawsuit in in courts right now because these routes that they're trying to take our homes are not authorized. Yet they've just spent $130 million to design a 60% completion. And in October, they can start taking our homes. Now that's eight months after they that's eight months after they announced this project in a 15-year project. Why are they rushing? Because they've never been stopped before. And we have another lawsuit for the uh, violation of the Open Meetings Act. So they didn't give enough information in their meetings for the public to know what the heck was going on. And that that lawsuit actually gets heard on this Thursday, August 4th. They've uh, OTA filed a motion to dismiss and um, our lawyers are going to be in court on Thursday to hopefully uh, win that part that we don't, it doesn't get dismissed and we can continue on. And we're fighting hard with the lawsuits. That's, that's a slam dunk. Yeah. Lawsuits take money. And so that's why Pike off OTA was formed to do fundraising opportunities and We'd love for people to get involved. If you go to pikeoffota.com and click on the newsletter button, we get really great newsletters every week that tell you, um, oh, yeah. Oh, it looks backwards. Mirror your camera. That's for my selfie. (laughs) Just hit mirror camera. Keep that newsletter, sign up, and we'll send you a newsletter every week that talks about our fundraisers. And this week that's coming out, I, I teach people how to do open record requests. We need help doing open record requests. Because I never knew how to do that before. For the last three months, I've been learning. Um, we teach people how to write op-eds, and uh, we're teaching people how to lobby up at the state capitol. And Michael's um, going to help people uh, write legislation, um, and we're going to work with the legislators this fall. So we're we're looking for volunteers that want to get involved in some way, shape, or form, writing thank you notes. Um, coming to our events and just really being supportive of of our goal in just stopping the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority from continuing to trample over the Oklahoma citizens. 
Yeah, this week is definitely going to be a test. We already know that the uh, Turnpike Authority is consumed the executive branch of our government, the legislative branch. This week, we'll be putting the judicial branch to the test. And if all three end up corrupt, then we're not just encouraged, uh, but we're obligated to remove that from our from our system. We are. James, Robert, I know this is not an Oklahoma thing. This is a United States thing. It is happening in every country. I mean, sorry, every state in our country. It is. It's like this weird movement that nobody can see until it pops up and affects them. I mean, in the Netherlands, they're taking over the farms, farms they're to, yeah. to build cities. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. And so we're, the Pike Off OTA is really trying to, we're trying to learn really quickly so we can educate the public and our um, our citizens to, to learn how to fight back, learn how to talk to the the senators and the um, and the, the House of Representative folks and convince them. We managed to convince the entire House of Representatives to unanimously vote to audit the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority. Do you know the Oklahoma Turnpike Authority has never been audited in its 70 years of existence? Well, never. Hey. Amy, they have been audited, but they, they it's an in-house audit yeah, that they hire themselves, and it's a little bit like uh, the, the fox so guard in the hen house themselves. audit. Exactly. They investigated themselves and found that they did nothing wrong. Exactly. Do you, do yeah. you guys have an estimate of how much money they have spent for the citizens or for the state throughout those 70 years that they've been in under operation? Like how many billions of dollars have they spent, spent on what? 30, 50 billion? You like, mean do you have an estimate? To build roads or? Yeah, throughout their history, how much money have they totally managed? Yeah, that's part of our Open Records Act is their, uh, their accounting history. If we could put a sum to the uh, the amount of bonds that they've pulled over the, the years, including the interest. Staggering. I, I think it would be very eye-opening to see how many times over we've paid for these. But see, every the time we ask for any kind of information, even just asking for justification for this for this turnpike, they bottle up, they fight it, oh, and yeah. they just dig in. And it's it's the damnedest thing you've ever seen when you ask somebody why they're going to build a $5 billion turnpike and they say to cure rush hour traffic and then turn around. And <laughs> yeah, they, they, they even say things like, we're not going to, you know, we don't go over, uh, we don't go over cemeteries. Well, they just approved a, a, an interchange going over a cemetery. Yeah. We've had people ask them if with the impact studies that you say that you're going to do, are there any results that would make you move the route? And they say, no, now, that's probably the one bit of honesty that we've gotten from them, but it all, you know, we all kind of started seeing that this apprehension to, uh, to revealing their true intentions when we first started asking the legislation to ask them to do impact studies and to reveal what routes they looked at, what the justifications were for this route, or for the for this route was, and what they did immediately was went and lobbied the hell out of the legislation until they shot down the uh, that that bill to try to just you know take a peek under the skirt. And here we are with our lawsuits. We've got our requests to you know our our discovery phase requests to to for uh, request request for production, whatever it's called in legalese. And so they immediately try to uh, you know, file a motion to dismiss, much like Jared Fogel of Subway. Motion to dismiss. 
doesn't mean that they're innocent, um, but trying to push it up to avoid having to produce the documents that we're asking for, which is just basically and simply why. Should that be a very difficult question to answer, especially if you're looking at taking people's homes, if they ask you why, don't you feel at the very least that they'd be due a, a response other than to cure rush hour traffic? Yeah, I almost cried the other day when I finally got some of my open record requests back because I had asked, what are the impact studies that you've used to choose these 57 miles of, of roadways? Because as a civil engineer, you always do the impact study first before you pick the route. You don't reverse engineer it. That's just not how it works. Do you know what date their impact study was that they sent me? The date of that impact study? 1988. They sent me a study from 1988 with a route on it that's not even the same route as they picked today. It's three miles west. And they said, this is our justification for the route. I'm going, okay, what's wrong with this picture? Everything, you know? And so it's, um, that's where we are with it. It's just everything we ask for, like Michael said, they're dragging their feet and then they're finally giving us stuff when they're, they're being forced to, but it's, it's not what you would expect. It's not, uh, hey, two years, two, two years ago, we did this environmental impact study and we found that it would be great you know we can do this check out the snake that's been going on for decades yeah. holy smokes yeah 1988 1993 1993 1994 and the kicker is in those in those um reports they say the environmental impacts will be drastic <laughs> but hey let's go build it anyway you know yeah, that's it. Like yeah. Brown said, this is how we bit to Price for 50 years, and it's worked quite well. Yeah, that's what our third <laughs> director of strategic communications has told us. So it's worked out quite well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is wow. I mean, that, and I, I really hope that everything that you guys have discussed this evening is really, you know, brought brought to the attention of everybody. Because, like you said up there, Dave, this is this is a lot more than just your guys' state. I clearly see this stuff going on in many other places. And I, I hope, if anything, that, you know, you guys can gain some more traction and maybe some other folks around here can be inspired to do something about the goings-on of this kind of stuff in their state. Because it is, I, I guess, as, you, as the link you sent me, it is kind of all smoke and mirrors what they're doing to you guys and everybody else that's out there. Yeah. When... They're just sitting there getting fat cats and rich off of every, off of the backs of all these people for nothing. Like it's, yeah. it's and none of them are getting arrested. None of them are getting arrested. <laughs> right. Yeah, the country out. needs to stand up and, and take notice because this isn't a unique situation here. There are places where it's it has completely spiraled up spiraled oh, out of control and it's past the point of no return. Look at Texas. Texas they don't have a, uh, a route for citizen reform. They don't have an initiative petition. The only way for their people to invoke change is to get on their knees and grovel to their, their legislation. Wow. And, you know, and one of the, the most terrifying aspects of this progression and this evolution of this Turnpike Authority and other Turnpike Authorities across the country, in my opinion, or at least the one that keeps me up at night, is the plate pay system. Where before your turnpikes were sort of limited to where you could put toll booths, uh, toll operators, plate pay system, all you need are two cameras. 
two cameras can designate any stretch of road, whether purchased by tax dollars or not, and it can become a tolled road. In Texas, they got a hell of a problem with them designating stretches of tax purchased road as new toll roads. Uh, Pennsylvania, I think, is sort of, it, it gives me a little bit of hope that the system at least sucks because from what I've read, you know, it's kind of a 50-50 shot whether or not you actually get a bill in the mail. But suffice it to say, we're looking at every every other aspect of our lives is becoming these subscription-based models and microtransactions. Um, you know, Microsoft Office is making me pay them every damn month for, for Excel. And um, we're looking into the future that if we don't get a hold of it now, if we don't get some kind of hold on just tolling roads, you know, we got to make a choice. Do we want to be paying for our roads with taxes or tolls and taxes? There's no both because in a world that there's both, we're going to be nickel and dimed on our way just to buy milk because they're going to have, you know, even municipalities, municipalities can get in on the action, putting up a couple of cameras between Main Street and, say, Flood Street and charge 17 cents for that. Yeah. And we won't be able to go across town without a hundred little charges that add up to far more than we anticipated paying for the roads to begin with. We didn't sign up for that. That was just pushed down upon us because we didn't act when we could have and when we still had the power to, to change it. It's, you know, and, and, you know, Luis, I see that comment you're making, you know, that's, you know something that's going on really is there is if we don't do something about this every road in america could become a toll road i mean that that's that's a that's a real thing that could 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 forecome if something wasn't done about it well all the smart cars and like every car in the future will technically be smart the government's going to track every single mile and the agenda already stated uh, by the biden administration was we're, we're going to tax every mile you drive that's already been stated and it's because they don't want people to drive. They don't want, I mean, it's a whole weird They want to restrict private car ownership. Yep. They already said that they want to, they, they want to change things, but they're not offering solutions. They're just offering tyranny. Yep. And those red light cameras, whether they be speed or toll cameras, they include a lot of copper just so you know. That? Strip them down and turn it in for money. Oh, yeah. That you guys know about the National Council of State Legislatures. If you don't, you should. Because the National Conference of State Legislatures is this national group that writes legislations for state legislatures. And they are totally funded by, you know, let's just call them special interest groups. Okay. I mean, L.A. was destroyed and turned into highways because of interest groups. They write these bills. This group writes bills for state legislatures and Senator so-and-so, Representative so-and-so will sign on, you know. Oh, that looks like a great idea. They won't read it. They won't write it, but they'll put their name on it. And that's how stuff gets passed. And they are very much behind this idea because gas taxes are going to go down because of electric vehicles and many other 
factors. They're going to go down. And so they've got to make it up and they're going to call it user fees. They're already doing with the cigarettes because, because cigarettes companies actually made a pact with the states and cigarette sales went down because cigarette sales went down so much. They started saying, okay, we can't tax this. So we're just going to make people uh, smoke again. How are we going to That's an actual policy that has been taken in action. We can't we just want people to smoke again. Oh, we have to make it up somehow, right? Yeah, because they are owed money, but they are owed money based off tobacco sale. So yeah. they're pushing IQAs in, in, in relation to cigarettes, which is like uh, smokeless cigarettes. But they're doing things like that. They're That's intentionally medium. making it so people get on addictive substances in order to create higher revenues. So... Is it okay to call a car that burns petroleum an, addic an addictive substance? No, I'm talking about what cigarettes are doing it. So oh, they're going, they're doing similar my analogy I'm trying to make here. Because <laughs> are we not addicted? Of course we are. I mean, come on. I mean, we're addicted to mobility, but yeah. so is every person on the planet. To now we're seeing alternatives. I can do this with batteries or whatever. But now they're going, oh, no, we're not going to be able to collect a gas tax off of that. So tolls, yeah, or miles. It's um, it's a very I mean, it's, just, it's just getting to the point of ridiculousness. I think all the way around, and you know, I mean, really, if you sit down and look at it long enough, yes, these roads are a big thing, but there is just so much more of this overreach going on in so many different ways. Like you know, these same people that we're talking about tonight even over there in Oklahoma that are doing this stuff with your guys's roadways and your houses and stuff what else are they tied into like you you the way i think i look about things like this is you know if you're if you're greedy enough to go after something like that you you obviously have your hands in other places as well too well, so we, you yeah, know this, know this yeah. stuff doesn't stop until we put a stop to it that's right so the person so we had an epic charter school scandal where the people stole 23 million dollars from the state of oklahoma and the same person that was laundering their money is in charge of the association of uh, general contractors and i sent you a picture of the june um cover of the association of general contractors that they praised their state senators for voting against the citizens and with the the, the uh general contractors on you know pro turnpike stuff but you're right so the corruption that's happening in the transportation is also happening in education and all these other places. And it's the same players that are all tied together that are doing all of the, the money stuff. Yeah. These fellas right here. Yeah. So these are our state representatives and state senators that got called out on the. Yeah. And the guy, yeah. And one of those people is the Norman Senator who wrote our bill and then sat on it in his transportation committee. So it would die. So we would, we would, so we would lose, but he pretended to help us. Um, but then didn't, and so dirty tricks. Yeah, I must sincerely say that it's it's kind of a beautiful thing that corruption, you know, to see corruption transcend party lines after this hyper partisan political session we've had for the last two or three years to finally see something that goes beyond just conservative or liberal. I mean, this this corruption spans both sides of the aisle. It's two wings of the same bird, people. It's mm -hmm. two wings on the same bird. Two sides of the same. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but 
you know what's even more frustrating is that a majority of people out there will still look at this and go, oh yeah, that turnpike is a good idea. It is a good idea. It's gonna, it is gonna bring, yeah. It, you can't wake up enough people to make a difference, really. We're trying really hard, but it is so uh, difficult. I could address. I, I am not saying at all. I'm not saying. Don't give up. Don't give up by any means. Yes. I'm sure. just saying the frustration though becomes overwhelming at times because people are just blind. You can show them so much evidence of corruption, and I'm sorry to say that uh, a lot of people that have woke up to what you're experiencing right now. This is what it took to get to this point was for 500 people to be in jeopardy of losing their homes to wake people up 2400 to, to corruptions to, to right. corruption 2400 people are going to lose their homes 2400 people yeah, 600 homes yeah, 600, 600 homes 600 homes you know <laughs> I've had a lot of people ask me Dave what is your problem why don't you like turnpikes Turnpikes are awesome. They save us time. Look at the, the oh, look that they're just great. And then I, I and I thought about that for the longest time. What is my elevator speech to these people? Okay, one line: the price is too high. The price is too high. Six to eight hundred families being kicked out of their homes. That's too high of a price. Six to eight hundred bulldozers coming along and smashing down their homes on their property and turning it into highway. That's too high of a price. Fucking up the environment. That's too high of a price. Polluting the water supply. That's too high of a price. Five billion more dollars of debt. Is that really what we want? That's too high of a price. And so well, it's the price that the average person pays if they understand that. Oh, wait my cost will go up by 50 yeah. percent yeah that's what really people connect to because people right. can't tangibly understand five billion dollars like those are numbers that actually human beings cannot comprehend but what they can comprehend is wait 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 wait. i'm gonna spend 150 bucks more a month what no i don't want to do that that's that in oklahoma because about a year ago we had a storm in oklahoma that cost the whole state what was it? How many billions of dollars was it? It cost billions of dollars because our utility companies weren't prepared to deal with it. And now they're tacking that money onto our utility bills and people are going, wait a minute, why am I paying another 40 to 50 to $60 a month? And it's because the state allowed them to sell bonds to cover it. And so if you put it in that kind of a perspective, it's personal. It's a personal thing that people have to pay for, not just people that have, have to lose their houses, but everybody. If the OTA disappeared tomorrow, that'd be about $300 million a year injected back into our economy. That's a hell of a stimulus package. You can also cancel debt that is illegally created. That's something that people don't think about. You can cancel illegal debt. And it sounds like a lot of this debt is considered illegal. Therefore, that can be canceled. That's another thing altogether. Well, and then, you know, as, as, as you dig further into this, there, there seems to be that one more common denominator that uh, we keep finding, which happens to be BlackRock. And, you know, we've made mention of them quite a few times on here, but I, I did want to bring up, since it was kind of just mentioned to me, I hope you guys know that BlackRock lost over $1 trillion 
dollars in finances this uh, this quarter. So things are kind of looking up for people that are uh, the little guys now, actually, I think, because it, they're taking a hurt of that size, then, you know, it, may, it might cause a domino effect for all we know. I mean, just something to pay attention to. I think I just wanted to point out right there. And Oklahoma is has one of the largest percentage of foreign investors in our real estate. So foreign investors are coming and buying up our housing. So the local people cannot get into their housing. The people are the inv- foreign investors are using cash and they're doing 20, 30% over asking price and they're pricing out our local uh, economy. And, and that's what quite frankly, the OTA is doing to us. There are no comparable properties for the 600 families that will be displaced. We don't live in a subdivision. We live on 10 acres. Uh, some of the people are going to lose 200 acres. Um, where are you going to find that? You're going to have to go 10, 20, 30 miles out of town to get a similar uh, property. And um, that's and now with the, the mortgage rates going up and the financial markets of trying to hedge against inflation, I think it's, it's not a great time to be kicking people out of their homes. Invitation Homes has 80,000 homes, single family homes under management. BlackRock does? Invitation Homes, which is a division of BlackRock, but they have multiple companies. This is just one of them, but BlackRock, Stake Street and Vanguard, like hundreds of thousands of homes and they are very badly run too. It's not like you want ever to be in a home owned by a hedge fund. It's expensive and it's garbage. It's the worst of the worst. You don't want that to exist. I lived in a house that was owned by Invitation Homes. You're 100% right. They suck. You want small landlords. You want the economy to, and the thing is, there, there are places that are trying to push legislation. So, black, like hedge funds are not allowed to buy property anymore because it's become a disease because they're just hedging against inflation, but they're hedging against inflation in such a destructive manner. We already have such a high concentration of wealth. I mean, what is it exactly? These, this few companies have 22, the top three have 22 trillion under management or 20 built trillion because the stock market went down, but wow. insane amount of money. It's bigger than bigger than many countries mm-hmm. on the planet's economies. Yeah. What is it? BlackRock, Vanguard and State Street. Well, there's another one, too. There's a I think that's up the, the current three big list. ones. BlackRock, Vanguard and State Street. Yeah, people like to gripe about it. it's black, all BlackRock because they're so have such a horrid history and blah, blah, blah. But it's also Vantage. Which holds my Roth IRA. So, what do you do? It Vantage holds my Roth IRA. So, what am I supposed to do? Ditch it because these are just companies. They look at an advantage. They go, ah, let's buy that. But BlackRock, they do have kind of a sleazy history. And they're all connected to what's ESG, environmental social governance. So yeah. it's all connected. Actually, Sri Lanka, the country, imploded because they were the most ESG compatible country on earth. <laughs> so these policies are extremely destructive and they are coordinated and they're doing tests in different places to see what they can get away with. And Oklahoma is a victim of this because I even heard of the other investors say, Oh, Tulsa's getting billions of dollars. Invest in Tulsa because it's very cheap, like very cheap, and you can make a lot of money in relation to what how much 
So there's people investing a lot of money into Oklahoma because also there's a lot of people moving away to, from California into places like Oklahoma. So your state is booming, but you definitely don't want horribly cor corrupt people like that to run things because they're just going to make money and everybody's going to suffer and everybody becomes slowly, slowly, poorer, poorer, poorer until you all become serfs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just you just hit it right on the nose there, Luis. I, I couldn't agree with that anymore. That's ex exactly what kind of stuff it's going to head to if something's not done about it. But again, you know, that's why that's why I have you guys here this evening, because you guys are the forefront of this in Oklahoma. And, you know, I applaud you. I applaud you guys for standing up for everyone out there. And I applaud you guys and all the work, hard work you guys are doing. And, you know, I'm going to make sure that all you guys that are out here watching and listening and everything across Rumble and Odyssey and BitChute and everywhere you stream us at, that you guys are able to get back out to these folks and see if there's anything you can do to join and help. Because I think every voice that's tied back to it can do something about it. Like, this is, this is, this was a big thing that I'm all about doing is just bringing the awareness to this, these situations because once you can bring the awareness to the situation, even if it is in a place that you're not living, it'll make you start looking around the place that you are and probably find a lot of the same thing. Bandit, yeah. you got, I seen you over there mouthing something. You got something for me, bud? Oh, no? good. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys would like, um, you know, to throw out there before we get ready to sign off for the evening? Of course, you guys, like I said, I will make sure your links are out there shared for everyone. Thank you really? so much for asking us to do this. I think it's great. And uh, again, just if we can get people to check out our website, pikeoffota.com and click on our newsletter, we'll keep everybody informed no matter where you live. And you might learn something useful that you didn't know about how to interact with a corrupt government. <laughs> yeah. Go to Pike off OTA, three separate words on YouTube, mm -hmm. and you'll see the many videos that have been posted that will help people with this. And also hit the dot com, Pike off OTA dot com. Yeah. For the listeners and not the viewers. Oh, and yeah. uh, really appreciate this opportunity to, to get our message out. I mean, we're, we're just a group of uh, ordinary Joe citizens that are wholeheartedly agree that if we can leave our children nothing else it'd be a free and a just state right you now we've we've got to we got to tend to business to make sure that that can happen maybe we should give randy the last word because he is our director of strategic oh, no. <laughs> what you got randy oh gosh I, I i do appreciate the opportunity to share our message with you guys and uh, whoever out there can get on board and help with our i mean I'm certainly biased, uh, again, like Amy and I both are in the direct path of this turnpike and uh, stand to potentially lose our homesteads that we've, uh, I, I've been here since 1979, Amy's been here, what, almost 20 years? Years, yeah. And uh, so it's, it's very near and dear to our hearts for that reason, but we've talked about so many other reasons why it's so important to, to people all over the country uh, because of the way these processes work or actually don't work in the favor of the of the citizens of our country and and the, the things that we could stand to lose so uh this is a great opportunity to, to just have the opportunity to inform more people about what's going on with us and what could potentially happen in, in your neighborhood yeah. uh next week yeah oh absolutely you know and you guys you know i'm, I'm gonna make sure i keep in the loop with you guys because you guys are welcome back anytime when we have some updates stuff like that you guys are always welcome to come up here and 
preach it back out, you know, bring it back around because I'm I'm all for bringing guests back and having more conversations. We've I've made there'll be some new stuff next week. (laughs) I've I've made so many great friends, you know, throughout throughout doing all of this and stuff. So you know, just like evolving with this stuff is great, and I really do hope the best for you you guys because I don't want to see you fantastic people lose everything that you guys have worked so hard for. Like you know, I I think all four of you are just amazing, and I have had a blast this evening with you and. And, and I'm in your corner. You know, I hope other folks out here that are listening and watching and enjoying this episode that they're 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 going to do what they can, even if it's just showing you support on your page and stuff, man. Like, I, I, I think that's just an important message there is just showing each other that we have more alike than we don't. And I think the biggest thing we have alike currently in our world of affairs is we have one backwards, dark, corrupt government that has just been sticking it to us for quite some time. And it's time to work on something new for all of us, for our kids, for our grandkids. Like I, you know, I have children myself. I don't want to leave them the garbage that's going on now. I've got plenty to work on to make sure that they've got their own too. So, you know, it it, it hits home when we start talking about family and stuff and, you know, things that you've worked so hard for, for all your life to have. But that's, I think that's something a lot of people can relate to. So I do appreciate you guys so much for being so so willing to come and join me this evening. You know, we, we try to have a blast here. I hope you guys have enjoyed yourself. And, you know, for all the folks out there, please, you guys make sure that you guys get back to their links. I promise you they'll be all there for you. You guys also make sure you get out there and check out our sponsors for us, you know, where you can find those links. And uh, hop back over to unconstitutionalawakening.com and get you some sweet Unconstitutional Awakening merch. You can rock this flag that I got behind me on your shirt nowadays. So you guys have a, a great night hanging out for all this stuff. And I got one last thing for everybody before we go. What did the ocean say to the pirate? Nothing. It just waved. Good night, everyone. Have a great evening.